Greetings and welcome to the Chirping the Cats podcast. My name is David Dwork, and today we've got part two of our three-part series on favorite Panthers memories. On part one, we heard from longtime Panthers broadcaster Craig Minervini, Panthers in-arena PA voice Andrew Ember, original Panthers goaltender John Van Beesbrook, uh, Panthers radio play-by-play man Doug Plagans, former Panthers goalie Mike McKenna, and longtime member of the Panthers as both a player and a broadcaster, Randy Moeller. On this episode, we're going to hear from another amazing group of guests, including players, media, broadcasters, and a member of a globally popular punk rock band. So uh, yeah, let's get right into it, and uh, here's part two of our favorite Panthers Memories podcast. All right, next up on our awesome trips down memory lane, we are joined by uh, somebody who you see all the time, whether you're watching a Panthers game or a Marlins game. It's Jessica Blaylock, sideline reporter, and I guess off-ice reporter, sideline reporter. I don't know what the terminology is uh, for Bally Sports Florida. So Jess, hi. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited about this. So we we're just saying that this is going to be your seventh season, your seventh year around the Panthers, which is kind of crazy, right? It's gone by so fast. It's gone by so fast. And I will tell you what, I have had so much fun covering hockey because I didn't grow up with hockey um I really didn't discover the game or watching it until 2013 and it's become my all-time favorite sport I I tell people all the time if you don't watch hockey you're missing out because it's incredible and I I've loved every second and now you've taking the time the last almost decade falling in love with the sport just in time for the team it looks like to take off and have some you know lasting success Uh, so the timing couldn't be more perfect for that Um, but before we get into the future talk about the future let's talk about the past because you told me before we started recording that you had a very unique favorite (laughs) Panthers memory which I am now very anxious to hear so Jess take it away let's hear it Yeah, I was thinking about this when you first posed the question of my favorite memory, and there have obviously been so many, but the one that really stood out to me involved Sean Thornton and Alexander Barkov. It was Thornton's last year playing for the Panthers, and he and Barkov ended up on the ice together for a shift, and (laughs) it's already random. Thornton assisted on a Barkov goal and it ended up being Thornton's 100th career point. And so we got him at the intermission for an interview. And I asked him obviously about the assist and it being his 100th point. And I will never forget his response because it was so funny. He said, well, Barky's been begging to play with me for three (laughs) years. So I knew he wasn't gonna waste those 15 seconds and It just, it was such a great moment and I loved Thority and I, I love Barkov. And so it makes sense that one of my favorite moments would involve those two guys. And, you know, Sean Thornton was, he's, he's great now in the front office and he was just so much fun to work with as a player. And so if I, if I think about one of those just really authentic, great, funny moments that stands out to me I would have to go Sean Thornton picking up his 100th career points on an assist on a goal by Alexander Barkov (laughs) yeah it's completely random but that's Thornton right like anybody who's been around him he's sharp as a tack 
Oh yeah. Unbelievable. Incredibly witty, incredibly clever, and he'll joke that he's not, you know, but he he really is just yeah. those the quick responses that are are so hilarious and and yeah that to me is just one of those great moments because what are the odds that Thorny and Barky are on the ice at the same time the fact that you know he picks up the assist it, it just it just was such a fun moment that it ended up being his 100th career point um in his last season and and so yeah that to me is is one of those that people may be like oh yeah I do remember that happening <laughs> um you know may not be as as well remembered or as as celebrated or as popular as some of the the other really epic milestones we've seen for players over these past several years but i i just love that one i just think it's such a fun moment that i that i look back fondly upon well that, that's kind of the cool thing and why i was wanted to do this because i thought we'd hear a lot of unique things that maybe we hadn't thought right. about or you know like you said aren't as glamorous or as well uh remembered um but still you know equally funny and you know heartwarming and it, it just kind of has that effect so that's a perfect perfect example of why <laughs> i wanted to do this um and before i let you go saying obviously you're one of the absolutely busiest people in south florida doing something you love no <laughs> doubt but i don't know i think you probably work way more than anybody else that i work with you're always doing something which is awesome i was gonna but, say i feel like goldie is very busy too i'll give a shout okay. out to goldie because Every time I see Goldie post, he is, he is all over the place too. So yeah, uh, I've run into Goldie at Pines Ice Arena in between shifts. (laughs) Like he runs up there to like see his son play and then he's running back to the station down in Doral. So I'll give you that one for sure. Um, But being that you've done so much in South Florida and you've been around all these teams, are there any career memories that kind of stand out as just, you know, your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would have to go a baseball related one for this. Um, how cool is it to think about the fact that for a couple of years, we had both Yaramir Yager and Ichiro Suzuki in the yes. South Pacific. And um, I feel so incredibly blessed to say I, I was standing 30 feet away from the base that Ichiro landed on for career hit 3000 in Denver, uh, you know, Ichiro triples, it's hit 3000, you're watching history being made. I mean, you are sitting there thinking about the few number of players who have ever reached that career milestone in the history of Major League Baseball. And I had a front row seat for it. Um, So to me, it will be hard to top getting to see Ichiro record hit 3000 um, and to watch all the guys come out of the dugout, you know, to watch the game pause, very similar to when, uh, you know, Yager reached his career milestone. The game kind of pauses right in the middle of it and we celebrate this epic achievement. And it was the same thing with Ichiro, you know, after he he landed on third base with that stand-up triple the game just pauses and we all take in the moment and all the guys come out of the dugout and Ichiro salutes the crowd and everybody is cheering, um, understanding what, what a moment it is. And just to, you know, down the road, when, when people ask me these, these moments that I remember in my career, 
I'll look back on that and will never take for granted the fact that I was there and got to see something like that in person and got to be a part of that moment and got to ask each row questions after the game about that. Like it still just blows my mind and, and reminds me that, you know, I never want to take a second of this awesome life I get to live for granted because shame on me. If I do, I say that all the time, you know, shame on me. If I ever for a second, don't realize how blessed I am to do what I get to do, you know? And, and so Um, Yeah, but that would definitely, definitely rank probably number one on the list as far as just really cool career moments that I've either had the chance to be a part of or a chance to witness. First thought from what you just said, I love, and it's something that I've heard from a lot of people in the media, is that appreciation and that kind of understanding of not just one particular moment that you might be a part of, but just the fact that you get to kind of be a vessel. And you get to be something that communicates and gives people insight into these amazing moments and that you're there for it. You're right there to experience it. And it's such a unique and beautiful thing that we get to do for a living. So oh, yeah. hearing yeah. the appreciation, it's like that. I feel like that's the thing. It's not just being there, but understanding, wow, I am so lucky to get to do this. I think it all the time for what I get to do. So, and, you know, I would love to get to do what you get to do. So you get to take it to another level. Um, so I just love to hear that positive, that positive energy and just that appreciation for it. Well, and, and this is the way that I try to explain it. You know, I hope that I understand that what I get to do is a privilege, not a right. And I hope I treat it as a privilege every day, you know, understanding that I, I, I like how cool is it to be able one to to live out what I always wanted to do with my life I mean that's blessing number one and then to get to work with two teams who I love so much who have been so good to me who the fan bases for both the Panthers and the Marlins have been so good to me uh to to live in a, a great place like South Florida to get to work with athletes you know like on the baseball side, like Miguel Rojas, on the hockey side, like Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Huberto. And I mean, I could, and and not even just pointing out specific guys, I mean, really the whole team, you know, the whole team on both sides. Um, Just, it's just an awesome, just an awesome thing to be a part of South Florida sports. So yeah, I mean, I could, I could go on all day just describing how lucky I feel to, to be a small part of, of what's going on in the South Florida sports scene. I, I will say one other thing on the Ichiro memory is like for my experience, one of my favorite parts of reliving that moment is the video that you took from the well <laughs> right next to the dugout, because it's, it's a perfect combination because you see the play, like you, you started filming right. before he hit the ball. So you see him hit it out there. You see him rounding the bases. And then as soon as he gets to the third base, you immediately knew to pan your phone to the dugout. So you then see everybody <laughs> reacting to it and coming out of it. It's, it's such a perfect encapsulation of the moment from one spot. Uh, so to hear you bring that up was like, yes, your video is like my favorite moment to go back on. So kudos Thank to you. you for capturing that in the moment. Thank uh, you. So it's, cool. it's so funny because the best part is I like leading up to 3000, 
almost every single of that I was recording just in case yeah. that was hit 3000 or whatever it may have been. But there, I feel like there were, there were multiple of bats leading up to 3000 that, you know, either ended in, um, a ground out or strikeout or whatever it was. So I had so many videos that weren't hit 3000 that I had to go back through my phone and delete. Um, because it always seems right. Like once the next one is the milestone, it almost seems like a player sometimes hits a wall because maybe they mentally know, okay, the next goal is this goal. The next hit is this hit, whatever it may be. And so what's funny is just the number of videos I had to go back and delete before I got that one perfect video that ended up being hit 3000. Well, you can't get something that good without putting in a little work ahead of time. So it, sure. it makes 100. sense. But I will thank you so much, Jessica, for taking a little time uh, and doing this with us. I'm, I'm quite sure that uh, whoever's listening to the podcast is going to really love what you had to say. But I will let you go because, as we said, you're super busy and I'm sure that you're going to be in a ballpark later doing yes. your thing. But um, I look forward to seeing you in the not too distant future at the hockey rink, whether it's in Coral Springs, our last season there. I'm a little sad about that. Um, yeah, I know. How about that? Yeah, I, I'm excited to see the new place out in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, it looks like it's going to be amazing. But I mean, you know, a lot of us have been living down here for a while. I've played hockey there. It's going to be sad to say goodbye to the rink. It will be a little sad, but I will say because I live in the heart of downtown, it will be very <laughs> nice there you go <laughs> to drive out to coral springs not that it's even that far but uh to have the practice arena five minutes from where i live compared to maybe 30 or 35 uh and to know you know the commitment by the florida panthers to revitalize that war memorial it's really yeah. amazing to see uh just once again what the florida panthers are doing as far as pouring into the community and and creating what's going to be not just a beautiful practice facility but just an awesome community hub in general. So I'm really excited um, about the transition and yeah, but we'll soak in, you know, we'll soak in every, every second uh, of, of hopefully being able to get back to practice and um, yeah. what those days mean as far as, you know, um, just kind of the fun moments that happen on a practice day that aren't even necessarily work related, but walking into the dressing room and joking around with players and getting to know in person some of the new faces that for the most part, we really just talk to through a computer screen. I think that that's one of the things I'm excited yeah. about. So getting to have a conversation with Radko Gudis in person or getting to, you know, getting to joke around with Carter Verhage or, or, or declare in person or whatever it may yeah. be. I'm excited. The last time we were in a locker room, I think how different the team looks now. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> There's barely anybody left. Yeah, that's something that I think about all the time. The number of players um, that we still haven't really ever had a conversation with yeah. in person. So I think that's that's one of the things that I'm really, really looking forward to. Yeah, keeping our fingers, fingers crossed, crossed that uh, hopefully that'll happen. But if not, you know what? Panthers, uh, their PR staff is amazing. They have gone above and beyond to, uh, to provide us with access to these guys and, and make things happen and, and have just done a tremendous job of, of helping us to get to know these guys, even if it is still through a computer screen, you know? 
Yeah, I all things considered, last season, considering we haven't actually seen anybody in 3D other than when they're playing hockey on the ice, I, I was really thought it was great. Uh, we, yeah. Like you said, they gave us an opportunity to get to know a lot of these guys. We did some one-on-ones with them, and that's kind of the thing, is to be able to introduce everybody else, all the fans, to who these right. guys are. Right, because so, it is a great, you talk yeah. about a great group of guys that we have here for the Florida oh, Panthers. Yeah. Oh man, I, yeah, I'm counting down the days to the start of this season, because I think we are in for an incredible ride, not just this year, but year in and year out. Amen, sister. And we can't <laughs> wait to be along for it. But thank you again for joining me and uh, I'll see you at the rink. All right. Sounds good. All right, now joining me with uh, some more great Panther memories is a former Panthers goaltender, one who was on the team when they made the playoffs for the first time in what felt like forever back in 2012, a big part of that team and uh, on several Panthers teams, uh, Scott Clemenson, uh, national champion, NCAA goaltender, Panthers, former goaltender, and now running the Devils goaltending department, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, So I'm curious, you spent five seasons with the Panthers. Uh, I'd have to say peaks and valleys would be an understatement to describe those five years. But, um, you know, any favorite memories that stand out from your time here? Well, uh, for one, I did play for five years uh, down in South Florida, and it was uh, it was an honor. Uh, It really was. Uh, Obviously, uh, being uh, playing in the NHL is always an honor. But, uh, you know, play for the Panthers organization was uh, was really special. Uh, You know, they were a up and coming franchise at the, at the time, uh, you know, they had been to the Stanley cup playoffs early, uh, in their, uh, you know, early in their, in their time there in Florida, and they were trying to get back there. And, um, you know, I really felt like when I came along, I was a bit of a transitional period. You know, I was on the team when, you know, they drafted Barkov and Huberto and, and Kulikov and some of those guys that are still playing today and are, and are big parts of the team today. Uh, you know, I was there when they were rookies and when they were young guys. And so I, I like watching them play. Uh, they're a fun team uh, to watch. Uh, they're a fast team, but I, I really enjoy watching those guys, particularly the guys that I had uh, when I was older and they were, they were the youngins at the time. So uh, <laughs> it was, it was a good time for me uh, at, and during my five years, uh, peaks and valleys was probably an act aptly put uh you know we we struggled at times obviously but uh yeah you mentioned it and and i would say that uh, you know going through my favorite panther memory uh would have to be that that 2011 2012 season where uh, uh we were actually we were early out in front of that southeast division um and ahead at, at christmas time ahead by quite a, a large margin and uh you know the rest of the division sort of kept you know caught up with us at the time uh, I was uh, splitting time in net, if I do remember correctly, but, uh, you know, it did come down to the last game of the season, which I got the nod for. Uh, and I think that that's, you know, one of the reasons why it was one of my favorite memories of the Panther was I got to play that, that uh, crucial game, uh, the last game of the, uh, of the season. Uh, it was early April in 2012, and I remember we playing the Carolina Hurricanes, and we needed to win that game to really clinch it. Uh, for us. Uh, I think Washington was playing as well. And if they had won and we had lost something like that, we would have tied. Uh, but so if we, you know, if we just won outright uh, that game, then we would have just won the division outright, which uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to get the nod and, and we beat them uh, that night. I remember early April in 2012, uh, Carolina four to one uh, win, I believe, and, and uh, clinched the division title. So 
that was uh, that was probably my, my best memory of, of, of being a Panther. No, I, I remember that game. I was there. Uh, it was electric, and it was a feeling in that building we hadn't had in a while, and kind of a precursor to uh, to how loud it got during the, the seven game series. Which I'm guessing for you must have been a, a little surreal, only because you're with the Panthers, you're in the playoffs, only to go up against the Devils, who brought you into the league, who you had some history with. Um, and then you played three games in that series. You started, I think, game four uh, up in New Jersey. Um, it must have been, you know, pretty crazy. No, it was crazy. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention just the, the rats, you know, all the rat throwing yes. down in Florida. That was, uh, you know, that was fun. It was fun. Uh, obviously, the, the history there, uh, all of Detroit with the octopus, you know, we had the rats there in, in Florida. And, and, you know, the fans throwing the rats, to be honest with you, I, I loved it. You know, I thought that was great. It was hundreds of plastic rats bouncing around the ice after each win and some had writing on them and, and it was great. That's great. I, I love that. I love that interaction with the fans. And I love the fans that do that. Do that. Uh, that that's great. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that. Um, but yeah, going into that playoffs that year, uh, we actually were um, a higher seed with less points, I believe than than uh, because champions. we had won the, because we had won the division. Uh, we were awarded that third seed. Uh, we actually had less points than, than the devils, which, uh, was a team that I knew quite well coming from and, and playing with, you know, all those guys. Uh, I wasn't the starter uh, for the playoffs, but I do remember um, going in halfway through a game in New Jersey. Uh, I, well, I can't, I remember what game it was. I it was, game, uh, it was three because game down, three down three, and, nothing in the first period. Yeah. You came and, in. And Jose got pulled uh, and Marty Berger got pulled. Yeah. Uh, next thing you know, it's me and Johan Hedberg in there. Uh, so it was sort of a, <laughs> it was, it was an, all four goalies played that, that game it was an interesting game to play. And I do remember, uh, I didn't give up any goals that, that, uh, game. And we come back and we came back and went to win that game. Uh, so that was another good, you know, another fond memory of mine at the time. And it was, a, it was such a fun team to play on, but, uh, I do remember winning, coming back and winning that game. Uh, only to lose, uh, you know, a couple nights later uh, in overtime um, yeah. uh, to to the Devils in New Jersey, and then obviously they beat us uh, back at home as well. Two 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 back to back overtime games, which we had them on the on the ropes. You know, you think about it, we had them down three three games to two. Uh, they needed two overtime games to to beat us, uh, and then they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Um, so that was uh, you know yeah. to think about how that 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 could have been us you know, makes very you wonder could have been yeah, like similar to you know the panthers of this past season that gave the lightning one heck of a run in the first round and then tampa went on to win the cup you wonder you know you what wonder. what might have been so, you're right you're right so the last thing i want to ask you uh, and again thank you so much for doing this i really do appreciate it scott um in your career any any awesome moments any great memories that stand out uh you know from I mean, you said it playing in the NHL is such a privilege, so it's all pretty awesome, but you know, is there anything that stands out? Well, I mean, obviously I, I'd say, you know, when you, you talk to any player, they're going to say that their first goal that they scored, the first game that they played, things of that nature. Um, obviously that's those are the first things that you go to um, regardless of how long their career was. I think most guys would say the same, uh, except for maybe some of those fortunate ones that won the cup or, or played a thousand games. Right. Um, and for me, it's no different as a goalie. Um, I always remember my first uh, start that I got in the NHL. Uh, it was about my third or fourth year pro. Uh, halfway through the season, uh, I got the call from Lou Lamarilla. I was playing uh, in the minors for the Devils at the time, and I got the call. Hey, can you play tomorrow night? Yeah, I can play. Uh, they got me on a plane, flew to Pittsburgh, 
I uh, got my first start uh, in Pittsburgh in the NHL, uh, and we won three nothing uh, that night. Wow. So, so I ended up getting my first start, my first shutout uh, on the same night. Uh, that was so in the igloo, right? That was in the old igloo, and, oh, and amazing. <laughs> and it's it's kind of odd because I I hated playing there, and I and I always did, <laughs> really? and I, I and I ne- I never played well there. That was like the only game where I, I only <laughs> that I played well. That one game, that was it. Because all the other games there, I was terrible, and I hated playing there. It was small, and uh, obviously their their team got a lot better, <laughs> you yeah. know. Uh, so this was this was pre Malkin and, and Sidney Crosby days at that time. So. Um, so that was interesting. Hated that place. I was very glad when they moved across the street uh, to the new place. But, uh, you know, you talk about you know, um, events in your career, you look back and some of the, you know, the ones and there was a couple other ones as well. But uh, I think obviously the big one for me was that first first start, first shutout in the same same game, same night. Nice. I, I love it. I, you know, it, like, you know, I keep recalling current Panther events, but the goalie we just had here, Chris Streeter, his first Panther start was, a, I think it was a three, nothing shutout as well. You know, it's yeah. the goalie union, right? It's the goalie. union. It's the goalie. union. Yeah, awesome. no, it's, it's great. I, I love, uh, I know. And I love watching, uh, I love watching the team now. And uh, you know, Spencer Knight went to my alma mater and wore my old number. Uh, and now to see him playing for the Panthers, wearing my old number again, <laughs> I think yeah. it's great. I think it's great. So uh, well, we'll have to, if you have some time down the line, we'll have to have you back on. We'll have to do some goalie talk and talk about Spencer and USA hockey. And I'll pick your brain about goalie pads because I'm kind of a nerd with that kind of stuff. But um, Love it. thank Love you it. so much for agreeing out of nowhere when I reached out to you to come on this podcast, because it is so cool to speak to you and to, to kind of relive some of those memories. Cause that year was really important for the Panthers. They had not had success in so long. And I, like, I, I always remember how loud it was that playoff series. I'm sure you, you know, you were down on the ice, so you, you felt it too. Um, and as you said, the rats, it was, it was just really special. So thanks for, for coming on and for kind of reliving some of that with us. No, it was great. I love taking that trip down memory lane. It was a great, uh, it was a great memory for me playing uh, in Florida and, and uh, during that time, it was great. So thank you for having me. All right. As we continue hearing these great uh, Panthers memories, uh, these awesome stories from the guests so far uh, joining me is, well, he's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And what other uh, preface can there be for him other than that? So Ian Margle, massive Panthers fan and follower and knowledgeable hockey goaltender. What's up, my friend? What's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now that I got through like the fourth take of introducing you to the podcast, I feel so much better <laughs> about myself. And now we can actually uh, roll on with uh, what you're here to do. And that's talk to me about your favorite Panthers memories. So I've got a few for you and I, I kind of want to go as chronologically as I can. Um, so the first one kind of starts, I mean, I got I to gotta tell a goalie story, right? Because it's it's the two of us and we can't get through anything without talking goalie stuff. So uh, as it should be, it started when I was six. So 1997, uh, I was, I was, I just moved to Cooper city. Uh, we, I knew literally nothing about hockey. Uh, and for some reason, all of the kids that lived in our neighborhood loved hockey. And one of the kids that played the most was this kid, Brandon, he had goalie stuff and we play street hockey. And for some reason, his favorite goalie was this guy, Trevor Kidd. Now, again, this is like 97, 
98, 99. He wasn't playing for the Panthers yet. And I actually just went to double check on IMDb, or not IMDb, Hockey DB to double to make sure. He oh, wasn't yeah. even he a was Panther with yet. Calgary back then. Correct. With those amazingly cool flaming Brian. Amazingly pads. cool pads. And so that was sort of what I, I, you know, we used to switch off playing goalie and I got hooked. And the only goalie who I really knew at the time since I was new to hockey was this guy, Trevor Kidd. And then Trevor Kidd with the facial hair and the pads. And I mean, he was gets, gets brought to Florida and suddenly the only goalie. So my favorite goalie is a Florida Panther. So that was sort of, and, and that was sort of what not only made me a big Panthers fan, but it was what really locked me into wanting to be a goalie just from, I don't know, I guess the serendipitous, I, I, I was eight, right? Six, seven, eight, when this all happened, nine. Uh, so this sort of serendipitous nature of all of that probably didn't set, you know, settle in for me. Um, but that was, that's sort of number one. Number two was when we were now season ticket holders, right? And my dad and my, uh, a friend of ours, we got season tickets. We used to sit about 11 rows behind the bench right next to the tunnel where the guys would come in and out, where the Panthers would come in and out. And so one day, this is back when Brad Ferentz played for the Panthers. So sometime between what, like 99 and 2003, right? I think, hang on. Yeah, 2002, 2003. Brad Ferentz gets his butt kicked in a fight he is bloody he is beaten up so not only does he get the you know the, the fighting major but he needs to go in to get stitches and he is furious and he starts going to the tunnel so all the kids we all lean over the fence to like look and see what he's doing and he's smashing his stick on the walls and he goes into the door to go towards the locker room and so i start to turn away to go back to like two seats over where i was sitting and Brad Ferentz, with his broken stick, decides I'm coming out to do one more swing into the wall because he was pissed. And his stick was broken, so it, it part of it went through the bars and hit me in the knee. And, <laughs> and I kind of turned... Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I got slashed by Brad Ferentz. You did. Uh, I turned to my dad, and I'm... I guess what, this is early 2000. So I'm like 10, 11. Uh, and I, you know, kind of tears welling up, but I'm a hockey player at this point. So I'm being tough. And he goes, what happened? And I said, he hit me. And he goes, what do you mean he hit me? And I rolled up my pant leg and I, you know, I had a bruise already, but Mark went. So uh, I guess a couple people were talking about it. And there was the security guard, his, uh, he used to call him, his nickname was Slim, super oh, tall. Slim was guy. awesome. Slim was the, was the man. Slim heard what was going on. He calls me over and he says, what happened? I tell him the story. And about 30 minutes later, uh, Slim comes back and he's got the, uh, a hockey stick signed by Brad Ferentz. Not the broken and all one. And he goes, huh? Not the broken one. Not the broken one. And he goes, he says he's sorry. So Brad Ferentz <laughs> slashed me, <laughs> slashed me and didn't even come apologize until they're like a 10-year-old kid. Um, oh, the game but, was still going on at this point though, right? Yeah, I think I think it was between periods or something. It was honestly, I never I never thought anything of it. I thought it was hilarious. But yes, you you stole my punchline. 
I have been slashed oh. by Brad Ferentz. I'm sorry. Uh, and that's okay. Where do you still have the stick? Uh, yeah, it's at my. Well, it might still be at my parents' place. We had a, we collected a few. I mean, those that those seats were so. Oh, well, that one's that's got. Like, that's not just a stick that you got handed to you because yeah. you next to the tunnel. That's you know you got a battle scar yeah, from that. That stick. one was mine. No, but again, remember I was like ten or eleven. So and we were idiot kids who were playing hockey in our room. So we broke a couple of sticks that we probably shouldn't have. Um, and so it's. I don't think the Brad Ferentz one got broken. I think that one's still there. But nonetheless, that's that's story number two. And story number three, so kind of what's crazy is um, my progression in these stories is like how I became a fan, my early days as a fan. And then this next story is actually uh, when I worked for the team as a member of the ice crew, which I know, you know, you know all about too. Well, something uh, else we have in common. Right. So, you know, that's, so this is. You know, how many goalie skates have been worn in that pit? I wonder. You know, Probably I started not out, many. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I started out with goalie skates. Uh, and I switched over to, I got a pair of player skates just because it felt a little more comfortable. I didn't feel like I was carving up as much. Uh, really? I, I on, truth to God, I've never worn, I've never ice skated and anything other than goalie skates. Really? So Unless uh, you count like rental skates before I bought my first pair of skates. But as long as I've worn my own skates, the ice skate, which has been from like the nineties, only goalie skates. My parents, uh, super quick tangent. My parents, uh, I told them I wanted to be a goalie. They said, try player first, much cheaper. Uh, and I played might and squirts as a, I started as a player. And then our, I think a goalie got hurt or something. And they let me play goalie as a squirt and it never stopped. So, yeah. um, okay. Back on track. So, uh, when number I was three. working, yes, number three. So when I was working uh, for the ice crew, obviously it was a, a blast, you know, we would, um, you know, we would go out before games and we'd, you know, get the crease set up and, and you'd do all of that. And it was a ton of fun. And there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot of trust into like seven, 16, 17 year old kids uh, drilling, you know, drilling into the ice, just hoping they do it right. Right. Um, so yeah, we that, do that. That is true. You could really right? screw things up if you wanted to. Not even if you wanted to, you just could kind of screw up. I mean, there's the metal, there's the metal inside, right? So there is a guide, but if you miss, you miss and you screw it up. So anyway, this, fortunately, I never screwed it up. But uh, one game, I am on crease duty. So I've got the squeegee and I'm just going across the crease and, you know, going around the net, going across the crease and the number one rule, and you will be able to, uh, you'll be able to attest to this. The number one rule. Sure I broke this rule. Leave the players alone. Don't talk to the players. Get out of their way period. No eye contact. So, uh -huh. Literally, it literally, it's in the contract. It says, don't, you know, it's in, so anyway, I, I, I hate that I forget who it was, but it was, it was either Mark Andre Fleury or Ryan Miller. And it's going to drive me nuts that I can't remember which one I I'm lean, I lean towards Ryan Miller, but nonetheless playing in Florida, I'm doing the squeegee and a lot of the goalies, what they would do, they'd leave, they go to the bench and then they would eventually skate back when they're ready. Well, he, just to mess with me, slowly starts backing into the net and I'm not done and I'm trying to clean out the net. And so I'm like backing up and like trying to get it and I'm not allowed to talk to him, but he knows I'm there and literally backed me up fully into the net with his ass <laughs> and then just turned around and was like, you know, basically just laughed and like, he wasn't laughing at me. He was laughing with me, uh, but I got yelled at. 
and I was not allowed to do the net for the rest of the game. So they switched me over to doing the shovel along the boards, which is important, right? Because there's a lot of snow that gets built up right at where they all stop and they get on, they get into the bench. So I'm going along the edge. And again, not allowed to talk to these guys. So you kind of just have to, we can't say, excuse me. You just have to sort of wait and wait for them to see you and like back up. And I don't remember exactly who it was, but I sort of waited and he looked at me and he goes, there's none over here. You're good. And I said, okay. So I like went around him and just scooped it up and went away. Well, he didn't see a pile about two inches big right next to him. And he knew that he had screwed me over. So he was trying to shovel it over with his own stick, but the refs saw and the refs told my boss and I didn't get to do anything else the rest of that game. Wow. Man, <laughs> I mean, these are yeah, guys, really strict after I left the ice crew. <laughs> they were very intense. Oh, uh, I wonder if and, these are because of things that I did, because everything you're talking about, like I've got like a rebuttal story. Really? No, I got in trouble cool. for fist bumping with a goal with a backup goalie. Nice. Uh, I was notorious for yelling "move" when I when I did the bench. <laughs> I mean, not in a rude way. But I mean, I would bump, you know, I'd tap a guy in the backside, like, excuse me, heads up, heads up, like, and, but no, so nobody broke, ever told me not to. Literally every rule? Well, nobody ever said, don't do that. Oh, like, it was, okay, you know, you don't, you don't talk to the players and stuff, but I mean, you know, I, I was certainly glancing up to see if anybody was like giving me a smile or whatever. I was like 19 years old and it was the coolest sure. thing in the world. And doing the benches, even though as a goalie, you would think the crease I always wanted to do the benches because that's where you had the most interaction with the players just I, for I, that reason. I, so hearing the rules, I would have been done. I, I did uh, get in trouble though for the fist bumps. Yeah. I was a rule. I, I was a rule follower and always kind of been, I'm a, I'm a real square. You're a straight. I, I never got friend. a detention. I never got a detention elementary, middle, high school. Never. Yeah. So I, I follow rules. I'm, I'm my girlfriend, my fiance, excuse me, makes fun of me incessantly for it. I'm a square. I know it nonetheless uh so yeah <laughs> uh, Gra uh graham was guy that used to that was cutting the ice uh basically said you know he wasn't mad at me but they were like he's like all right you're done uh graham was yeah. like the number two when i was there so maybe when uh, graham took over he brought in the uh the rules maybe the rules well and you know what i mean it's it seems like it's run like a pretty tight ship now so obviously uh, doing something he's, right he's numero uno, numero uno. Uh, yeah, so that was that. And then finally, the last one I've got for you is 2012, uh, the Devils playoff series, obviously a heartbreaker in and of itself. Uh, but my best, my best friend in the world from college is a huge Devils fan. And so we watched the playoff series together, which was not the best idea, but again, <laughs> My best friend in the world. We're in college. We don't have that for one of you. We don't have that many TVs. Well, it went well for him. Uh, and I remember winning. I don't remember which game it was, but I remember jumping up onto a couch. He's like six foot two, by the way, and I'm I'm a I'm like five ten and a half on a really good day. Uh, I jump up on the couch, pointing at him and laughing and you know celebrating, and then obviously I did not get the last laugh. Uh, but I, you know, that was just sort of, that was just sort of, I don't know, a playoff series that stood out to me because, you know, there haven't been all that many. <laughs> I'm just uh, laughing at you 
set in your own way, you just segued from talking about what a straight arrow rule follower you are to a favorite story about you being a dick. <laughs> well, it's that, my best that's friend. a pretty okay. awesome twist. That's okay. It's, it, that's, he's my best friend. And then, you know, ever, ever since then, uh, the, the short, the small ones are being up in the a couple of times we've, we've sat up in the press box and there's been a goal and you and I have quite literally jumped out of our seats, uh, and had to like contain ourselves. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, getting side eyes from from the others saying, you know, pretend like you've been here before. No, uh, last last yeah. year during the playoffs, it was Bellamy and I were just punching each other in the leg underneath the table so nobody could see <laughs> us. So every time the Panthers would score, we'd sit still, but we were like bruising each other with excitement. <laughs> we do it again. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I got for you, man. Hey, I couldn't have asked for anything less. I appreciate the range. And, uh, and the honesty. You couldn't have asked for anything less. I appreciate that. I don't think you realize that that was not a compliment. Oh, all right. Well, I'm not going to edit that out. But I couldn't have asked for anything more. Um, no, you're great, man. I appreciate the stories. I appreciate the, the trip down uh, Ice Crew memory lane. Yeah. Um, and if anybody's wondering that's listening, because I don't think I finished the thought, the goalie that I was fist bumping on the bench, the backup goalie was Johan Hedberg, who is known far and wide in the hockey world as one of the absolute nicest guys in just out there um and i felt so bad because like he initiated the fist bumps and then i went i got in trouble and they said hey you can't be doing you know whatever whatever they said to me so i went back the next time and he holds out his glove ready for another fist bump and i just have to sheepishly like put my head down like no i can't <laughs> they told me no i'm so sorry oh my god i felt so bad because he was like the first time like a player was like taking an interest and i'm quite sure the goalie skates had something to do with it but anyway not to hijack your your time on the pod i just wanted to finish my thought no you're good uh i also i remember learning that john van beesbrook's son his name is ian and uh i don't know why but i thought that was very cool at the time that is i, I don't i know one of his sons is a really big panther fan that still goes to games because uh van beesbrook actually told me that uh one of the last couple of times i spoke to him for the podcast um but um yeah, he was at a couple of games last year with his son, and apparently his son's a big Panther fan. So That's awesome. pretty happy That's right really now. really cool. Well, I guess if you grow up at the right time and your dad's, you know, the star of the team, it's kind of easy to, to be a Panther fan. But then you think about the years between then and now, and, you know, credit to, to Junior Van Beesbrook for sticking with him for so long, <laughs> you know, because I'm sure he's listening. It is, uh, yes, I'm sure, I'm sure he's listening uh, very closely and has not missed an episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Ian, <laughs> well, thanks again, buddy. I do appreciate your time. As always, it's great to see you, although I see you on TV all the time. Uh, it's always great to, fun. Great to Zoom with you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. And I'll see you in what, like not even a month. We got training camp coming up next month. I'm sure I'll see you around the rink and in the Absolutely. press box once again. Absolutely. All right, brother. You want me back up there? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you, got, you got the golden ticket. You're good to go. <laughs> Okay, next up, we are going to hear from somebody who has been around the Panthers uh, maybe consistently longer than almost anybody else in history. Uh, right now, be writing for the Panthers for uh, Florida Hockey Now. If you have not, please make sure and subscribe because you are missing out on some great stuff from George Richards. George, how are you, my friend? And thank you for doing this. Well, hello, David. What's going on, buddy? Hey, it's all going on, man. It is all happening. Ah, beautiful. But, um, yeah, man. So uh, thanks for doing this. I, I'm yeah. very curious to hear what you're going to have to say, just considering you've been around the team for so long and you've experienced 
so many highs and lows. Uh, what are some of, you know, if you have one favorite, but what are your favorite Panthers memories from your, you know, bajillion years uh, covering the team? Well, um, listen, I, I haven't covered a whole lot of success here with the Panthers. I took, <laughs> I took over basically the night that Tampa Bay won the, the Stanley cup in 2004, um, from David J. Neal at the Herald, at the Miami Herald. Um, you know, he asked me that night, you know, if I wanted to, to, to cover the, if I would be interested in covering the team. And I said, yeah. And they gave me the job later. Then there was a lockout, right. You know, so, um, that's how my tenure <laughs> with the, uh, Florida Panthers started. There was a lockout. Um, but you know, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. You know, there was a lot of, you know, missteps along the way, a lot of, you know, false hope, I guess. Um, you know, you had the first core group of those guys, uh, you know, Stephen Weiss and, and Jay Bomister and then uh, and, uh, Nathan Horton, Nathan Horton, Nathan Horton, of course. And, and, you know, that kind of fell through, but I'll tell you what, one of my favorite moments, um, if we're going to go with, with the, you know, the, the, the good moments of, of the Panthers in my time covering, I think the, the first real big one was, um, 2012 when when they finally broke that drought and made the playoffs um they won the southeast division for the first and only time because then you know they changed divisions but um you know when you know guys like you know Stephen Weiss I, I just remember when the, the Panthers finally made the playoffs and and talking to Stephen Weiss about that and all the stuff that he had been through um you know Everybody else had gone, had, you know, kind of left that team. Dale Talon traded uh, Nathan Horton because he didn't want to be here anymore. Um, Jay Bomister made it very clear that he didn't want to be here and, and left the first chance he got. Um, and I think that it's, it, it weighed on Stephen Weiss all those years, you know, should I be here or not? And, and, and when they made the playoffs that year, um, you know, we won't talk about that. It was a great series against the New Jersey Devils that the Panthers lost in seven. Yeah. But, you know, just, just you know, seeing in Stephen Weiss and, you know, and, and Dale Talon had revamped that roster that year. Um, they came in, they came into that 2011-12 season with like, you know, not into the season, but into that off season with like five guys under contract. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of free agency, you had a whole new team and it was a lot of fun covering that team. And, um, you know, and, and then you had a couple down years and, and Gerard Gallant takes over, uh, Yermir Yager gets here. That's been as much fun covering one, one person as I've yeah. had. I wasn't here for Pavel Bure and, um, as much as we all love Roberto Luongo, um, you know, I, I think just that, you know, that superstar power of, of, of Yager, a guy that would just say anything at any time, uh, that, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I think just as, as covering an on-ice product, that 11-12 that season was probably the most fun just because we had covered so much bad hockey yeah. leading up to that. No, that, that, I mean, it just goes to show also, as you talk about how much it meant to like Stephen Weiss, just, just to make the playoffs, not even to get there and to, you know, have any prolonged success, just getting there was yeah. monumental. Yeah. And you thought that, you know, brighter days were ahead for the, for the organization. And obviously they had to go through some, some more valleys before they reached more peaks, but, uh, you know, hey, listen, the next year you have another lockout and, and the team, you know, has injuries yeah. and falls apart and they ended up getting, 
um, Sasha Barkov that next year. And, um, you know, Jonathan Huberto was already here. Um, you had Nick Bugstad was here. Um, Vincent Trocheck hadn't gotten here yet, but he was in the, in the, in the organization. So, um, a lot of good stuff happened after that, but yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it was a lot of fun, but I'll tell you one memory I remember the most, um, that was like just crazy and actually two of them. And they both revolve around Roberto Luongo. And the first was in, uh, 2005, uh, six when they traded him at the uh the the draft the night before the draft in vancouver it was like 11 o'clock miami time when when we get called to the panther team hotel and myself and steve gorton uh from the sun sentinel can't find a cab so we're running up you know through downtown vancouver with our gigantic laptops trying to get to the team hotel to make deadline um to talk to jock martin and, and mike keenan but when they reacquired Roberto Luongo, um, that, that trade deadline day in, in Boston, that was, that was surreal because nobody saw it coming. Uh, you know, Roberto Luongo even talks about, he was, he, he, you know, he participated in the morning skate for the, for Vancouver. He was in Arizona. He was going to be the starting goalie that night. He goes back to his hotel there in Glendale, takes a nap, takes his, you know, nap and gets woken up <clears throat> in the middle of it. Hey, you're, you guess what, pal? You're going back to Parkland. You're going back to, to the Florida Panthers. And we were in Boston when that all went down. And it was crazy, um, mainly because the big story was, you know, uh, Tim Thomas was the Panthers goalie. And, you know, all the Boston people want to talk to Tim Thomas. And I think that was his second time back in Boston, but it was still a big crowd. Um, so we talked, we talked to Dale or we talked to Roberto. I forget what it was on speakerphone. And so we're in this hallway at the TD Garden. And we're right near the, the Panthers locker room. And I step out of the, uh, out into the hallway where we weren't supposed to be, um, because it's, you know, an hour and a half before game time. And Tim Thomas is out in the hallway on his cell phone, just screaming at his agent, get me out of here. I'm not going to be here with this guy and da, 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 da. Uh, so yeah, the trade deadline was the next day. That's what it was. Um, so yeah, we all know Tim Thomas ended up getting traded to the Dallas stars, but that was just a, that was just a fun, fun day. Um, and it, you know, it, do you think it, it that was, was just, stemming it, back from like all that beef they had in the finals or do you think it was right. just as he wanted to play he wanted to play yeah okay. he wanted to play we asked roberto was like well you know now you're teammates with tim thomas and he made a pump the tires joke and um yeah i don't think those two were very friendly and they were uh you know, they were very, uh, well, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. Yeah. We're, if yeah. we're, you know, we, we'll, we'll make it work. Um, although when we talked to Tim after the game, he was just like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> Roberto was very diplomatic about it. Tim Thomas says you can expect not as much, but, uh, that was, that was a good time. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that was that kind of be my second question was not necessarily a favorite Panthers moment, but was there a favorite covering the Panthers moment that like was just great for you that maybe happened while covering the team, aside from seeing Tim Thomas screaming at his agent? 
<laughs> it was just you could just hear them. I mean, because it's a small hallway. It's a long hallway, but it's not a very wide hallway. So <laughs> it was just echoing. You hear the you know the guys are sharpening the skates and they're fixing their sticks, and then you got Tim Thomas running around in his bare feet, just screaming into a cell phone. Good stuff. <laughs> awesome, man. Well. Thank you for taking a minute and sharing some of your memories with us. Uh, I had no idea what you were going to talk about, but I knew I was going to enjoy it. So I'm sure everybody listening did as well. So thanks a lot, G-Man, and uh, looking forward to to covering hopefully a, a very successful team with you this season. Yeah, we should. Yeah, we'll find out. I mean, it looks like the team's pretty loaded. Um you know, on paper right now, this looks like the best Florida Panther team we've seen and um it, it should be uh, should be quite the exciting season. Uh, a lot of a lot of storylines going into the off se- into the season and training camp. I don't know, you know, the battles for those those last couple spots yeah. should be uh, should be exciting. Yep, I can't wait, and I feel like the, it's just fast as the summer's gone by. It's going to be here before we know it. So, yep, short I'll off season, it. buddy. <laughs> I'll see you at the rink maybe before I see you on the golf course. It's a little too hot out there right now. It is a little warm. Yes, it is. All right, brother. Thank you again and be well. All right, David. Be good, brother. All right. Next up on our list of favorite Panthers memories is somebody who is a huge, huge fan of the team and who is also a, I'm also a huge, huge fan of his band. Uh, he is Ian Drushka from the awesome punk rock band, Newfound Glory. He is the bassist and uh, they just happen to be my favorite band. And I swear, I'm not just saying that because Ian is here with me on the podcast. I'm saying that Liar. because Liar. <laughs> I have loved the band since I was a teenager and I was seeing them at the Button South, for those of you who've been down here long enough. And so it is awesome to talk to Ian, who just happens to be a fan of my favorite hockey team. Ian, what's up, buddy? How are you? Good. How you doing, man? Thanks for I am. Me. I'm great, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, because I know you've been a fan of this team for a long time. And uh, I'm curious, uh, what, what Panthers memories are your favorites? Um, so I have a couple, uh, the one furthest back that I could think of, um, I remember there was some sort of, I think it was an event when, uh, when the Panther, when BB&T was first opening, I think it was the national car rental center, maybe. Yep. And they had this event at the arena and Kirk Muller was doing a signing who Kirk Muller was my favorite player growing up. So I had showed up and I brought my camcorder with me. So when I got up to the front of the line, I was like, hey man, can you say Newfound Glory rocks on my video? (laughs) And so he did it and it was awesome. And then I remember a little bit after that, they, when everyone was outside in the line, they came through and they're like telling the rules and they're like, yeah, no asking the players to say anything on your video. So they like changed the rules after I did that, Nice, but, but I was able to get it. So that you got to cool. dig up that video somehow, if it still exists. I feel like my brother is probably the person that has it. I'm guessing we need some kind of VHS machine to, uh, to relive. Yeah. The it was one of those little small, small <laughs> like tapes in the camera. Yeah. I don't know if you can find that tape, we have to, we have to unearth this awesomeness, but uh, that was, uh, that was, you know, that must've been like the late nineties, right? Kurt Muller. That was like 97, 98, 99, that range. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't remember the year, but I know that it was after 97 because I was in the band. So I would probably right. say 97, 98, if I had a really guess. Um, but that Did was you end probably up using the- it for anything. No, I just had it. I had a whole, <laughs> I had a whole collection of like, 
uh, like I would get people to say that all the time um, and then use it for nothing because there was really, there was no like Instagram or Facebook or anything to put it on. No. Um, I figured maybe one day it would be on like a documentary, but uh, never, never made it. And then probably lost the tape somewhere along the way, but it still got the memory. <laughs> and then a good story to go with it. Um, so that was a really good one. And then uh, another great memory was uh, when the, when the Panthers let me open the locker room door uh, for the team, uh, which was really awesome. And uh, Sam Montembeau was starting that night. So he's one of my favorite players. So he was like the first one out of the locker room. And it was awesome. Just, I mean, it was super awkward too, because they're like, yeah, you gotta like, you're going to be on the jumbotron. So you got to like pump up the crowd. So you're like, you feel like kind of like a wrestler, like trying to like pump up the crowd and super like awkward and uncomfortable for me. Cause yeah. it's not really the sort of thing that I like doing. Um, I like just being quiet, you know? Um, so that part was awkward, but it was cool. Just like all the players going by and everyone gives you fist bumps. And then except for, uh, except for Vetrano, he, he didn't give me a fist bump. He kept his hands down. Uh, but I like fist bumped at his glove anyway, even though he didn't attempt to give me a fist a bump. ghost bump. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I mean, that was pretty awesome. Like, yeah. I mean, must've been pretty intense to get wrapped up in that moment. Even if, you know, you're not really the big pump up guy. Like when you see all those guys heading out to take the ice and all the fans are down there getting all jacked up too. I mean, kind of can get lost in the moment a little bit. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it was just, it was really awesome. I mean, some of my other favorite things, like I remember me and my wife, we were going to go out to dinner after a game once and the place we were going to go to is closed. So we're like, Oh, let's just go get, we'll go to Pasquale's pizza and just get some pizza. And we're, we're sitting there and, uh, and her back is towards the register and I'm looking forward and two guys with suits walk in and I'm like, I look up, that's Borky right there. And this was like, Borgie hadn't played a lot, so a lot of people didn't really know him yet. But he's about Henrik Borgstrom. Yeah, he's one yeah. of my favorites, also. So I'm like, oh man, Borgie's right there. <laughs> and then it just so happened that Lamico was with him, and that's wife's favorite players. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, Lammy's with him. She's like, shut <laughs> the fuck up. Or I don't know if I can curse. But no, you're like, good. She's like, I'm like, I'm telling you. So. She like she couldn't like move. She was like that like scared. So I just went up. I'm like, hey man, I'm sorry to bother you guys, but like we got we got to get pictures. And they're like, oh no problem. They were like super nice. And then every game that we'd go to after that, he would always come over where we were standing in warmups, and he'd always like wave hello. Like sometimes he'd flip us pucks. Like the super super nice guy. And that that sort of memory for me, I know from like being in a band like just recognizing a fan or like smiling or saying hello could mean a lot to someone. And the fact that he would do that uh, for us, it was always awesome. We'd kind of look forward to that, you know, every game. And then, and then now he's gone, so it was a little sad. And then uh, Yandel would always see us too. And he'd always like give a little wink or like a head nod during warmups. Nice. Now he's gone, and now like uh, I'm a little sad because I don't I don't know who else knows who we are. Well, Yuho's still here, so maybe you can catch him catch up uh, as a little pizza and pucks with him this season because he'll be back. Probably have a pretty good role too. I don't know if he really recognizes us though. That's that's the only oh yeah. Thing. But 
Um, but those are like, those are memories that were like, it was awesome. You know, we'd look forward to going into like practice every day just to like, you know, get the hello or like the head nod from Yandel, you know, that sort of thing. And I feel like to, you know, to a player, it's probably nothing, but to, you know, a fan of the team that, you know, it goes a long way. Well, maybe, maybe, because like the way you're describing it, you're in a band and you know how much it could mean to a fan if you just give them a head nod or you throw out guitar picks, which I know you love to do. So maybe from their perspective, you know, they see it the other way. Like, who knows, maybe Keith Andrew is an NFG fan. And, you know, he's like, hey, the, the bassist from Newfound Glory is coming over here. I'm going to say what's up to him. You know what I mean? Like, it could go either way. Yeah, that would be cool too. But I mean, it's like, uh, I get it too, because when players are in warmups, they're in like game mode. So some of them are so like focused and getting ready for the game that it's kind of like nobody's there. You know what I mean? No, for which sure. Is also, which is also understandable. So for the players that do stuff like that, it's like, it definitely doesn't go unnoticed. Nice. Well, Ian, thanks a lot for taking a little time and sharing your memories with us. I do appreciate it as I'm sure the podcast listeners do as well. And guys, if you are not familiar with Newfound Glory, do yourself a favor. Download a couple songs or an album, man, because I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Thank you, man. All right, next up, we're going to hear from uh, a voice that I think every Panthers fan is going to be very familiar with and happy to hear from. Steve Goldstein, the television play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers, uh, is joining me now. Steve, thanks a lot for doing this. Familiar with? Yes. Happy to hear? I'm not so sure, but that's okay. Oh. <laughs> All right, so you've been around this team for what feels like forever. Even before you were the play-by-play man, you were working as a host. You were always around the team. Uh, just from all the years that you followed the Panthers, is there one one moment that stands out as your favorite? Well, you know, the Bill Lindsay goal at the Miami Arena. I mean, I haven't heard too many buildings, and I grew up going to Ranger games in Madison Square Garden. Uh, much louder than that, that night or that day, when, you know, the Panthers eh, clinched the first ever um, playoff series win. Uh, so that was pretty wild. Um, you know, there were a few other moments in 96 when I think they got six goals on Tom Barrasso in the Eastern conference final. Um, and he was backed up in the net because the rats were raining down and he wouldn't come out of the net until they cleaned it up. So those two from that, that whole run are two that I remember vividly. I also remember the Dave Lowry double overtime goal against Philadelphia, um, that one was pretty nuts because, you know, after they won that game, you got the feeling like, okay, they could actually do this. And the Flyers, remember, had Lindros, they were heavy favorites. Oh, yeah. Those were the moments during, um, during that series, during that run that I was at. You know, as far as a road game, you know, the Tom Fitzgerald goal in game seven against Pittsburgh was, was crazy. Um, I remember I was at Pete Rose Ballpark Cafe in Boca for that one. So those were the games I was at. I'd also say in 2012 against the Devils, um, the Marcel Gotch goal in the third that tied the game at two was pretty nuts. I was doing the games at the time with Bill Lindsay, and when he scored, and we're actually on the air, he grabbed me and lifted me up. He literally picked me up in the broadcast booth. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's a number of them over the last few years from Huberdo and Barkov, some of the amazing goals. I remember vividly the Barkov between the legs against Montreal and the goal for his hat trick against Toronto when he won it in overtime. And, and then there's a few from this year against Tampa. I mean, because the game was just played at such a frantic, crazy pace. And 
tell you what, that Owen Tippett goal that made it 4-3 in game one when Huberto made that ridiculous pass was was pretty nuts too. Yeah, and talking about some of these more recent goals, it kind of makes me think of the calls that came with them. Um, the Lombard overtime call, I don't want to say it was one of the one or the best, but are you kidding me? I mean, that it was just <laughs> it's what we were all thinking in that moment that they hadn't won an overtime game since the 96 year, the 96 run. Uh, it had been so long. So for it to finally happen and for it to be a guy like Ryan Lombard, I mean, how perfect was that? Well, you know, Dave, you, you can't stop the Achari Vitrano Lombard line in overtime <laughs> against the best goalie in the world, can you? Yeah, you know, and it was good. So you know, I've, I've gone back and watched it. And it's pretty funny how, you know, I, and I listened to how I called it. It was Achari wins the draw back to Gudis. He flips it out to center, high in the air. And then Vitrano pokes to the head. And here comes Lombard. And yeah, it was incredible. You know, and diehard fans are aware they hadn't won a game in overtime in that long in the playoffs. Plus, just the fact that it was him, he was the only guy in the game that hadn't had a shot on goal yet. And the other factor was, and the bigger thing, is they were right back in the series. And I think I said that also, you know, at the end of it. Because after the shock of Lomberg scoring and the Panthers win it, hey, we got a 2-1 series now. You know, and, and you thought anyway, the Panthers had a lot of momentum until game four started. So, yeah, that was an incredible moment um, also, you know, because unfortunately haven't called all that many playoff games because they haven't been there that many times. So to do a game like that and get that win was, uh, yeah, it was really memorable. Now, before I let you go, the last thing I'll ask you, if uh, other than the Lombard call, are there any uh, Panthers calls from over the years that stand out in your head as, as your favorites or just kind of that you always uh, – draw back to well you know there were so many great you know games like, like when Ole Jokinen played I mean people may not remember this guy scored 35 38 goals a year and one of the years I think the Panthers either led the league or they were near the top they won like nine games in overtime and he was like automatic in overtime I remember doing radio at the time and I don't have the copy of it but I think I, you know, stuff just comes out of my mouth when I get excited. And I think he scored in overtime to beat the Islanders one game. And, and the Panthers were still alive. And they were like five points out. And I think I just yelled, if I'm not mistaken, yo, 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 Something like that. Um, but I got to tell you, and maybe this is because it's recent memory. Uh, of course, some of the Luongo games, um, the game where Roberto came back to South Florida, the home game. Um, unfortunately, I'll never forget calling the game in Vancouver the day of the Parkland shooting. It was honestly real difficult to do a game. Um, once we got through the first period, I felt like it was a hockey game. But at the beginning of the game, um, you know, I was doing the play-by-play, but not really doing it. You know, it was it was really difficult. Um, and then the night Luongo made the speech. If, you know, if anybody goes back and watches that game, I think we scored like a minute or two into the game. And it was the most probably unexcited I've ever been to call a Panther goal because, you know, it just didn't seem to to matter, you know, at that time. You know, Roberto says, hey, enough's enough, and, you know. So obviously everybody knows how emotional that was. Um, but I'll tell you this, for an exciting standpoint, and maybe because it just happened, Dave, but the, 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 the plays in game five 
when Tampa was already up one nothing, and the Lightning were on the power play, and you knew if they got another goal against Spencer Knight, that series was over. And Spencer Knight made seven saves, if you remember, on that Lightning power play, including a few side-to-side ones on Kucherov. And that place, even though it wasn't 20,000, it was like, what, 14,000, was as loud as I've ever heard it. To me, that was as exciting a call as I've ever done for the Panthers because I think in that moment, everybody realized, holy cow, like this guy is the real deal. And the fact that he kept him in the game and obviously went on to win that game, unfortunately lost the next one. But like I said, maybe it's just because it's the most recent. But that moment when he made all those saves on that power play and just shut them down with the emotion that series had and the meanness that series had, um, that right now for me is at the top. It, it really, I've never heard the BB&T center that nuts for one guy. Man, uh, if nothing else, you've got me ready to like run through a brick wall and get, get, let's like, do it, buddy. Like, <laughs> like I'm so, I was already really excited and bullish on the Panthers for this year, just because there's no reason to think that they're not going to be even better than they were last year, just looking at the roster as it stands. So uh, it should be a lot more fun and exciting calls, maybe some more overtime uh, playoff goals as well. But uh, Steve, thanks a lot for taking a few minutes and sharing some of these memories with me, man. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. And I'm, I'm hyped up too. six weeks away. Let's get it on training. Camp. Let's do it, man. <laughs> All right. So that's going to do it for part two of our three part podcast on favorite Panthers memories. Part three will be available soon. So keep an eye out for the final installment of this amazingly fun storytelling trip down memory lane. I want to thank Jessica Blaylock, Scott Clemenson, Ian Margle, George Richards, Ian Brushta, and Steve Goldstein for joining the pod and going through their favorite Panthers memories from over the years and sharing them with us. Uh, I also want to offer a big thank you to everyone out there who is listening and subscribing to the pod. Uh, This whole project was absolutely for your enjoyment, so I sincerely hope you like what you're hearing. Uh, Please be sure to check out my Panthers coverage on Local10.com, or you can download the Local10 app as well. Uh, And you can also follow me on Twitter at David's work for daily coverage of the cats. All right. So until the next time, please, everyone take care of yourselves, stay safe, be kind, and as always stay cool. Mm